All right, good morning. I think I have 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. Uh, welcome to another FOA Ref webinar. Today we have Tom Beller, which is the coordinator of officials for the New Mexico Yaffa League here in, out of Albuquerque. Um, next week we have Wednesday, 5 p.m., Dean Blandino, which is the CFO National Coordinator of Replay uh, will be talking to us about football. So make sure you come in and listen to that 5 p.m. Dean Blandino. And then Thursday at 2 p.m. there'll be another coaches officials webinar on, on Dana Pappas' Zoom. And Abram Anaya, um, Mountain West Center Judge, will be giving a class on his film evaluation breakdown that he does for the NMOA on the complaints that are sent in on plays from coaches. And he'll give a breakdown of his process and what he goes through when he looks at film. Then we'll take a three-week break and come back the week of June 15th with the summer rule session. Ken? Yeah, thanks, Dennis. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, you guys, you heard uh, him talk about Dean Blandino. And you're probably wondering why are we bringing in an instant replay guy? Believe it or not, in the NFHS book, it does talk about uh, us being able to use replay in a playoff situation if we ever uh, could get that passed in the bylaws. But it is there, and Dean is uh, has his resume is is way beyond just replay. So I would highly suggest if you guys are interested joining in on that podcast. Um, and if you guys don't know Tom, we're going we're gonna to allow Dana to speak and then Mel introduce him. But Tom is like a wealth of information. He's a local guy. I, 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 you guys, please ask questions, man. I mean, you don't get Tom one-on-one -on -one like this very often. So, um, Dana, I'll turn it over to you. Dana, are you there? She's there, but she's muted. You yeah, muted her. We'll give her a moment. Okay. She might say a few words at the end. She says she might be a little bit late um, joining us. So go ahead, Mel. We'll let her. We'll let her jump in then when she gets a minute. Uh, Mel, do you want to introduce Tom, please? Mel's muted too. We need to take him off. Hey, Mel, try one more time, please. Can everybody hear me? There you go, Mel. Yes. All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's my privilege uh, to introduce our, our next guest, uh, Mr. Tom Beller, who I've had the privilege of knowing for the last 10 years. Um, if you take a look at, at his resume there to the left, uh, he was an official for high school for 13 years for state championships. He also uh, he was and a referee, two division two playoff games. He also served in the Mountain West Conference, a side judge and a field judge from 2003 to 2007. He was also in the Big 12 field judge in 2008 and two bowl games 
2004, the Houston Bowl, and 2008, the Outback Bowl. Tom is currently the present coordinator of officials for the New Mexico Young American Football League. Tom, also, I will tell you this, he's, he's a book of knowledge. If you ever got anything to ask, please reach out to Tom. Tom? Well, I appreciate I'll it. There for it over to you. All right. Well, thanks, Mel. There for a second, Dana and Mel, you can hear. I said, man, I already put two people asleep and I haven't even started talking. It's kind of harsh. Um, I appreciate um, the invitation. What I thought I would do, I'll give you a little bit of background uh, on this, is, is I stopped officiating in 2008 just because of the schedule and I had young kids that were growing up. And I sat back and it was just way too much time and I was missing way too much of my kid's life life so i decided you know i had a pretty good run um i have two boys and then a girl so and they were all athletic and, and played and then my son played high my son he graduated a couple of years ago played high school football and being a parent in the stands it was kind of interesting to watch high school football and what's happening in high school football and how do you officiate modern day high school football with five guys and then um when my son graduated, I got a call from Bill Blair, who's a Yaffle um, executive director of Yaffle, asking if I could help out with officials. They had a couple incidents that happened, and I had some theories on how maybe you could do some things. So I said, well, let's go give it a shot. So one of the things I did is I made sure that um, Mel and Felix Salas was involved. So there are the signers, and they help us. And we'll talk a little about what we're doing in Yaffle. But what I'm going to talk about is kind of some stuff I learned at the Division One level that I did not know in high school that I wish I did, and how to translate it to modern-day football. So I don't, let me see if I can – I don't know how this is going to work. You may have to help me, Ken and Dennis. But can you guys see my screen? Do I need to share it again? You need to share it again. Yeah, for right. sure. All right, give me a second. I shouldn't tell you this. I'm actually an IT guy at Sandia Labs, and I should be able to do this a lot better than I do. Don't tell my boss. <laughs> so down here, there you go. There you go. You got to hit about nine different buttons, right? Yeah. So, you know, some of this stuff might be a little different. Might kind of be old. I've tried to stay updated in the mechanics um manual and some of the mechanics manual i disagree with because when i did it, it i had it worked better for me differently um i've tried to go back especially when i'm back now with the yaf officials of going back and learning the, the mechanics and and i gotta learn the rules again high school rules are interesting um so modern day high school football guys everything now is the spread right the old days of the delaware t uh are gone so with spread you have why you have at least you know four guys in patterns you got running backs you got a quarterback who's running you got um to me the biggest nightmare in the world for an umpire is rpos to me that's the biggest cheap play there is i remember do you guys remember um when john gruden used to have that quarterback show on espn he had one of the ohio state quarterbacks on and just to give you a back uh I'm not a big Ohio State fan. My son's a Michigan grad, so I'm not going to talk good about Ohio State. If Corey's on, sorry. Um, but they show uh, how they work the RPO, and the play they showed worked perfectly for a touchdown, but they don't show that guard jacking the linebacker 
as that wide outs catching that slant right underneath them. Now, if I can go jack somebody who is defending a receiver before the ball gets there beyond the line, I could probably even call pretty successful plays, right? Um, you know, going back to the spread, there are so many holes, even with seven men. Um, I don't know how you do it with five guys. I mean, it's just there's holes everywhere. And it's not because you guys aren't good officials. It's because of the nature of the game. On my son's team, they had a defensive end who was pretty dominant. He was fast. He was big. And at the high school level, he probably was the best defensive player in the state. But when you would watch film, you could see the holds and the grasp that he would have to fight through. But then you'd see the receivers downfield getting held, too. And that's when you go, I don't know how you get all this stuff, guys. I mean, how, how if seven guys struggle with it, how are five? Um, and how do you, you know, going back to how do you manage the holes that exist in it? Um, you know, like you said, you got receivers in back. One thing to learn, and this was always fun, try and keep up with what's coming in the game, what's the big thing in the game is. You can kind of do that a little bit. I, I would always read like SI online, and they would have, you know, articles about, about how offenses are doing things, how defenses are doing things. Uh, you learn about tackling. To me, what's interesting is the last four or five years, how rugby tackling has come in. And if you guys don't know much about rugby tackling, go watch a YouTube video that um, Pete Carroll did. And what's interesting about the rugby is where the helmet goes. And I know there's a big emphasis on helmet contact, but when you rugby tackle, you got to hit with your shoulders, which means you got to duck your head, right? So you got to be careful of, of that, and you got to make sure that the head, you know, slides to the side. But the rugby seems to have more of the head down than the heads up. Those are just a couple things. We can go more into what's coming on. So here's my ideas, right? Officiate what's important. Um, if, if it's not important, we can't worry about it. The football is never foul. Don't watch the football. And when you watch a lot of officials, you see their hat and they're watching and they're watching the ball and they're missing action downfield. Um, spot doesn't move. Don't officiate the spot. Once you get the spot, get your head up. Get your head on a swivel. Um, here's what I like to say. Don't move to the Knicks down too soon. What happens is, is a runner will be down and there's a pileup and guys are looking back to see if it's their first down or they're given the down signal and they're looking for the referee or the umpire. They're trying to get the ball too soon. To me, that down never, ever ends until players separate. I don't do anything with the down, with, with the play that ended, um, except maybe stop a clock if I have to. But even then, until the down, until players separate, then I move on, and then I'll come up with the down and start looking at the clocks and doing stuff like that. Does that make sense? So don't ever let opponents be next to each other or, or alongside each other without um, – without you watching or being in, involved. Keys, the keys are everything. You know, when I got to D1, we would, we would show, uh, we would get these training videos. You never wanted to make a training video, but everyone did, right? And there were plays that would happen that guys would get ripped for, and I would just be sweating going, I don't know how you officiate that, right? But then what you learn is keys are everything. If you follow your keys, you're gonna be okay. When you don't follow your keys, when you're not aware of your keys is when bad things happen, right? So you got to know your keys. You have to own your keys. And this is interesting what I see too. 
Um, I'm not saying, you know, the whole thing about don't fish in my pond and only call what your what you see, you know, what your area is. I don't agree with that, and you can't do that. But if I'm watching my key and somebody else calls a foul that involves my key, if I don't agree with that, I'm going to go have a discussion, right? And I'm not going to have an argument. It's going to be really quick. And what we used to do in the Mountain West, I worked with a couple guys. I worked with Terry, a guy named Terry White as a back judge for like four of the six years I worked. And it would be like really quick. Hey, what did you see? Okay. And to me, if something was called with my key, whoever owned that key would have to kind of approve of the call. And don't get in arguments and stuff, but, you know, a back judge can see stuff on a, on a wide receiver that a line of scrimmage guy can't because of angles, right? But that back judge, if it's not his key, is going to get to that play late. He's not going to see as much action as I am if I'm watching my key all the way through. So that means that I probably can see stuff he didn't. Um, Sarah talked about this, right? Focus on your key until they can no longer get you in trouble. So if my key is on the right side and the play goes to the left, is that can my key get me in trouble? Probably not. If we go back to officiate what is important, right? Don't officiate backside stuff or not point of attack. Understand the timing of plays and when to switch. Because with five guys, you have to switch keys. This is going to happen, right? Seven, as a as a deep wing, I pretty much had the wide guy. And I know Sarah gave us deep guys a hard time, but um, we always say you put the non-athletic guys on the line of scrimmage because deep guys run more, but I'm not going to tell her that. Um, but, you know, um, when are you going to switch plays? Pass patterns, right? The pass is if you have like a rhythm throw, there's a rhythm route that if the quarterback gets up, he just throws it. That's going to be shorter. If he doesn't throw it right away, as a play goes along, that receiver is probably getting deeper. Means you, the back just probably should be backpedaling more. Um, same thing with you know with the run. The most important block would be the one by the ball, not on the outside. So the, who's important? It kind of goes guard, tackle, end in the progression of the play. And talk about when you switch keys. We were always talking during the game. Hey, did you pick him up? Did you switch on him? Um, we also would do stuff where you have to know if your man's being pressed. If my key was a wideout and he was being pressed, I was probably not going to change. I was going to stay with him because I had to watch to make sure he got off that press correctly. If if my guy wasn't pressed and the back judge's guys was pressed, I knew I wasn't going to change because the back judge couldn't come off his key. But if both of our guys were not pressed, then we could do you know um, zone after first move, right? So if my key runs a post and the slot guy runs a corner, we could switch. But that's something you guys have to work and talk about. And all that, like I said, literally all the time during plays, there were times I'd look at my back judge and we'd get a signal. We didn't have the OTOs about, did you switch and who did you have? You have to have mechanics and, you, and mechanics will give you the proper angle, right? I, I remember uh, an ex-NFL replay official talking and he said, he was asked why officials miss calls and the answer is probably because of the angle right when you look at the angle the official sees even on replay they'll show an angle like well, we can't tell so angles are everything in our world isn't it and i'll talk a little bit there's some stuff i have and remember i was an umpire and i'm gonna i i have a pretty strong belief in the way the umpire and referee should work which is a little bit different than what i see a lot of people doing angle of bodies and sh shoulders so what you want to remember and i never really realized this for a while until i thought about it but when you look, you're kind of looking square with your shoulders, right? If I turn my shoulders, my head turns. What I want to do is I want to keep my vision in the field 
on the field. What, what I don't want to do is I don't want to turn my shoulders too fast. And you see wide guys do this. So when a receiver or somebody goes down, what they do, instead of following with their head, they turn. Now, as soon as I turn, I can't see what's behind me. So I've narrowed my view. If you watch a, 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 a guy on, the, on TV, a D1 or an NFL side, um, headlinesman or light judge, watch how they kind of like basketball is how they kind of sidestep and straddle as they square to the line of scrimmage because that gives them a better view of the field. They can see more. I can see motion if some um, idiots run in to jack up a guy that I can't see. So th if that makes sense. And I'll show you a couple examples of, I think, the way the referee will, should line up. Know your philosophies, criteria, accelerators. One of the things that we used to always learn, and this was why I asked Scott Novak this question, was at the Division One, they tell you exactly, you know, they give you the criteria to call it. Um, and you get a, what we call accelerators or indicators. What's the angle of the block? If that guy's coming from 90 degrees, it can't be a block in the back, right, guys? So I'm not going to watch it or not pay much attention to it. Um, you know, the big thing that come is categories of fouls. Can all you guys uh, have the um, offensive pass interference, defensive pass interference, offensive holding categories memorized? You know, one thing we're asking that we're going to push the YAF officials is we have an issue with, um, you know, communication with coaches, and sometimes we don't tell a coach enough. And what we want the YAF officials to do, and the suggestion would be for high school, you high school guys, is if there's a foul, especially a hold, I'm going to go to the coach and say, Coach, that's a hook. He, that was a, you know, a, a pull and grab, Coach, and that's all. But if you know the criteria, then everyone kind of can understand the criteria. Back in the day, we would kind of make up our own criteria, but know the criteria. And what we would always do is, as I said, you would get stuff and it would flow down from the NFL to Division One to Division Two, the high school. And that's what we're trying to bring back, at least for the Yaffle. So in Yaffle, we brought in Lan Clark to talk about how the NFL does head contact. And we brought in Joseph Martinez about concentration routines. Be able to describe the foul. You at least should know kind of what happened instead of he held them. Well, what did he do? Um, huge thing that Sarah talked about is pre-snap routines. Pre-snap routines are, are probably the second most important thing. Um, you know, part of it is like who is watching the clocks? So what do you do when the players separate? What's your first look? What do you do? Do you count players? Is somebody looking at the game clock? Um, I know in Albuquerque, you you know you work at um, Milne, Wilson, and you know community, and the clock operators are pretty good. But who's to say that they fall asleep and and you miss something? And that comes very very important. Usually the last five minutes of the half. But who's checking that? Who's? And I'm not saying you have to sit there and watch it, but glance up and see if the clock's running or if it's not running. And, and so getting your team is after the players separate, when are you going to do that? Substitution, when are you counting players? Do at the same time at the play if possible, right? When do you guys count numbers? You umpires, how many of you guys count to make sure you have five guys between um, 79 and 50 without it being a scrimmage kick exception? Do you guys do it? I mean, how often does it come up? Uh, and I have to be honest, in my career, I caught it once. But in my pre-snap, when the when the offense broke, and now they don't really do it because they don't huddle or broke the huddle, but I would I knew I had 11, but I wouldn't signal 11 until I counted five of correct numbers, and then I would signal. So that was, to me, every play, I have to count numbers. And then what would I do? The very last thing I'd do before the play would come up is to help me with thinking of my keys is I would 
tell myself, what did your key do last play? If I couldn't tell myself what my key did last play, like, oh, he went out for a pass. I knew I probably wasn't focusing on my key enough, and I knew how, I knew how to kind of refocus. You know, learn body mechanics. Some of the stuff you, you, all, you guys know, watch the player being hit. You know, I watch the foulie, not the fouler. Um, watch for unathletic moves. If a player's, if a player's going to go from from facing one way and turn and run, the first thing that'll go is his shoulders. Right, shoulders go, hips go. Well, if his hips go and his shoulders don't go, then you know he was held. And a lot of times, our angles we can't see a lineman's hands. I don't know if he's being grabbed or not, but I can tell by the body mechanics. And this this was huge what I learned. And a lot of times, when officials miss calls, there's times you get confused on body mechanics. Right. As I say, that's why soccer soccer guys dive so much because that's the way a soccer referee will look at it. And it sure looks like he got fouled when come to find out the guy never hit him. But look at body mechanics. Blindside blocks are interesting. And going back to body mechanics, um, how do you – because the rule says uh, you can't be blocked, can't be hit on a block you don't see. Well, how do you know if a guy sees a block? I, I'm not in his helmet, right? But watch the body mechanics of that of that player about to be hit. How many athletes will sit there and when they see some a collision coming, won't do something, won't do something to compete the hit. They hit. They won't drop their hips. They won't duck or something. If that player doesn't do anything to compete the hit that's coming, he didn't see it. And if it's substantial contact, be knocked to the ground probably, without you know contact being with the hands, you got a foul. You know in the NFL, and I think the college talks about the angles well high school says he doesn't see it i always found that's interesting um watch the player after a hit especially on a, a personal foul targeting and even land talked about this and watch how in the nfl and college when they get stuff how late a flag will come on a defenseless receiver and what what you're looking for is see if that if that player's hit or hurt and what is he grabbing a high school kid's not going to fake it to her. If he gets hit in the stomach, he's grabbing his head. If the kid got hit in the head, he's grabbing his head. And if he looks like he got hit in the head and you can't really tell on a safety foul, probably going to throw. So that's why a lot of times you'll see flags come a second or two later on those types of hit. And, and, and if you do that, I think that helps because there's some ways, some angles, I don't know how you see it, right? And it goes along with the strike zone. You know, they talk about, coaches teach about where to tackle somebody. And they teach mainly equivalent to the baseball strike zone from above the knee to below the shoulders. If I come too high on that hit, so if my hit comes up to the chest, I'm above the strike zone, where does my helmet come? My helmet has, top of my helmet will come to the, the jaw of the player, right? And you see that all the time. Initial contacts with the shoulder, but the hit's too high. So the crown of my helmet just jacked that guy in the jaw. And that's a hit that we can't have in this game, right? Is that in again? If you have questions, let me know, guys. So let's talk a little bit about keys, and I'm talking about. And this obviously is not drawn to scale, okay? Um, the way referees and and so basically, I look at it. The line of scrimmage, 71 through 70, ha has to be watched by the the umpire and the referee, right? The referee, in my what was always easiest to me is my main responsibility was a quarterback, but I could look through the quarterback to the offside tackle. I think the I think the manual says to look onside. I don't like that because my main guy is quarterback and I want him being my focus. So as a referee I always looked quarterback, oops sorry guys, 
to backside. I have no idea how to make this go backwards. So let's we'll just talk about referee a little bit. Um, opposite tackle, stay in the throwing arm of the quarterback. You know, 12 to 15 yards. I think some of the guys get a little bit deeper now because of the um, of the shotgun and nobody goes under center. Be a little wide outside normal tight end position so you can get that angle back to the tackle. And when you get that angle, turn your body a little bit. Don't look straight ahead because now I can't see that tackle. So most referees will, will actually line up at an angle. But I see a lot of high school referees who will who look straight ahead. And then that takes away that backside tackle from you. Um, be athletic in your stance. You know, a lot of times they told me as a referee, never don't bend over. I know a lot of NFL guys, Ed Hockley was a big guy who would bend over. But at least be athletic. At least be on the balls of your feet because you're going to have to move. A lot of times you'll see younger referees who will stand kind of like with one foot, you know, weight on one leg. You know, it just doesn't look athletic. If I'm not mistaken, you have the ball carry until the ball passes a line of scrimmage, right? So you're going to have to stay with him. Then you're going to have to help with your other keys. Your other um, officials will get blocking. And as Sarah said, if, you're, if your runner is not really being challenged, you can kind of come off of them a little bit, you know. On a scramble, so if a quarterback's scrambling, especially if it's not, you know, a couple seconds into the play, realize that your line guys are going to be looking downfield. And it's going to take them a, cu- a couple, a second or two to realize the quarterback's coming. So you're going to have to stay with that quarterback longer. So when he gets to the line of scrimmage, you may not be able to release him. Stay with him just a little bit longer. And then, um, you know, we were always taught that the quarterback is the franchise. Stay with the quarterback. Quarterback goes out of bounds. I'm going out of bounds with him to bring him back. A line, uh, running back, maybe not so much. I know in high school with five guys, maybe that's something you don't want to do. But um, realize that when the quarterback scrambles, it's still kind of the referee. Um Umpire, okay, um, line up, don't ever go outside, head up on the guard. You know, in coaching stuff, we call it the two technique. And there's a couple reasons why. You know, there's a myth that you have to line up different sides because offenses will start using you as a pick. Uh, I've never believed that. I don't, I don't think that really happens. And I don't think high school coaches are that smart enough or care enough. They're going to run to what's working and not so much you. Uh, as an umpire, I didn't want to get killed. Most players are meant to run kind of, you know, off tackle or outside or even in the maybe in the A-gap. Nothing runs up the middle. So if I was close to the um, middle of, of the formation, my odds of not getting carried off the field were a lot greater. And when you have jerk referees like Len Clark, and you would back in the day when you had white knickers, if you got knocked down, Len would stop the game even if you're fine and make sure everyone in the stadium knew you got knocked down. So you got to be careful with jerk referees, right? And back in the day, I always carried two knickers. So if I got knocked down in the first half, I could change and get that grass stain off my knickers. So referees don't be a jerk to the umpire. Hey, Tom, real quick. Yeah. There's a question from an umpire, Stan Rich, in the chat room. Yeah. Uh, Angles are important. How do you maintain your keys and watch the point of attack on sweeps and those RPOs? Great question. And if you give me a minute, um, Stan, I'll get to it. And, and I'm glad you're on, on the line, Stan. I've known Stan a long time. 
Um, so you got to read the guards, right? So the guy, the guards will tell you where the play is going for the most part. So I can I can watch something but, and still be aware of movement. If I get a guard firing out, then I'm going to think run, right? So if that guard's going second level on a linebacker, the RPO is meant to go immediately. The RPO is meant to go read, throw, and what they're saying is the ball will be out before that guard gets downfield. And a lot of times that's true, right? So if my guard fires out, I know that I better have a run. If I don't have a run, then then I got to think, oh, this could be a problem. The issue comes is when the RPO doesn't happen right away. Maybe the outside linebacker kind of jumps in and, and the um, guy running the RPO, the pattern will get hung up a little bit. So instead of the ball coming out immediately, it'll be a second or so late. So the only thing you can do is I got a guard shooting, ball's not out, ball's out, and I know that guard's downfield. And the only way I can catch this is if I know what his motion is. Now, the key, too, on the RPOs is that RPO is meant to come backside linebacker, right, guys? So the whole idea is, is um, if that depending on what happens with that backside linebacker, if he flows, then I'm coming in behind him. So you either have to have the center or the guard by football. We call it football physics that it just happens to happen this way. If that center, whoever's uncovered. So if it's an odd defense, the guard's going to be uncovered. If it's uh, even defense, that means the center's uncovered. One of those guys has to go on the backside um, linebacker in order if they're going to run the ball. So that's what you got to watch. If it's an even, then watch the center and see what the center goes. Because the center's going to try and get back up on that outside backer. And otherwise, guys, RPOs are a nightmare, right? I don't know how you read it besides watching the movement and know in your mind whether or not that's a, that's a pass or a run, if that makes sense. And understand the timing of it. Just because that guard fires out doesn't mean he's necessarily downfield. It depends on the timing the throw comes out. And if that throw isn't immediate, then we probably have alignment downfield. Um, the big thing is you want a banana. And, this, and I don't know. Many of you guys uh, have been taught this, but one of the things in looking back is you, I want to be over in between the head up on the guards. And when I read mo, when I read flow, and the easiest way to read flow as an umpire is if a lineman crosses the center, it's going that way. So if you see motion across the center, that's where the play is going. So that's where I'm going to watch. So I'm going to start with the guard. So I'll start with guard, watch him. And then as a the play goes, I'm going to open up. So I'm going to take the foot. That, that the play is going to, and I'm going to back step. So I'm going to open up. And it's kind of important that you open up and not step forward, and I'll tell you why. As I open up, that moves my shoulders, and that'll put me in in vicinity of the ball. So I can see right about where the, the, the block at the ball and the block that's coming up. But, it, but by doing it, i got to turn my hips and my shoulders. Now, if I step up, what that does is that turns my shoulders back to where the ball was. So now all of a sudden I'm looking backside instead of where the ball is. Uh, I see, you know, that was a thing I had to learn is I always step with my left foot. So I would step up if it went right. And I noticed my angle was wrong. the way. So I would actually have to practice opening up with the right foot. A lot of guys will turn sideways. If you turn sideways, then you can't open up correctly. If it comes backside, if I have my left foot forward and it comes to my left, it's kind of hard. It's, it's harder to, to open up that way. So, you know, I would say, Keep your feet straight. Um, and you got to remember, you're looking primarily, 
you know, you, I'm going to go center guard tackle and I'm going to go out with it because of the way the, the timing of the play. Um, work side out, stay even or front of ball carrier. And then I want to tell you a little bit of story. I, I um, almost put on this film and I saw this on film of a, of a, of a high school game. Uh, the, 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 what some guys will say is referee takes one side, umpires take the other side. I don't like that because the referee will have, if it comes to the referee side, the referee has ball. The referee is not looking blocks ahead. If the umpire is backside, if he's lined up over that tackle, he can't see front side. And there was a play in a game, and it actually called back a touchdown. Now, unfortunately, it called back. It actually went. It um it called back a touchdown against my son's team. So I guess it was a good call, but it was actually an incorrect call. I thought because the umpire was so far wide that when the when the quarterback rolled away from him, he can't see front side. So he calls a hold, a marginal hold on a backside as a quarterback throwing the ball, you know, and, but it, it was done because of his mechanics, his mechanics didn't allow him to see front side and to officiate what was important and what was important is point of attack. And I don't know how you feel, but I see a lot of high school official or umpires sliding out and, and turning sideways. And I always thought if that was the right way, why aren't NFL and college umpires doing that? I know NFL umpires, they pulled the guy behind them, um, and, and, you know, that's how they kind of fixed it in a way. And then you kind of have to know the line of scrimmage, right, guys? Um, you got guys looking downfield. When a quarterback's scrambling, you kind of have to know where the line is. Uh, if you don't know, um, beanbag the spot where he threw from and come back to it. Don't worry about, oh, is he beyond or just drop the beanbag. I'm not a big fan of dropping beanbags. Except, you know, except when there's an enforcement spot, but that could be. That's kind of umpires. Any other questions? Did I kind of explain that, Stan? I mean, you've been an umpire for a long time. Agree? Disagree? Hey, Tom. Good morning. He uh, good stuff, man. Hector Martinez here. Um, yeah. Question, what, what's your philosophy on, uh, you know, where the umpires should line up, uh, you know, off the – you know the ball uh, your first when you first set up uh and then you kind of covered it a little bit um but on a on a pass play or a screen play you know when the linemen go downfield what's your um you know what do you the yardage that you kind of give them uh before you throw that flag man that's a, that's a tough one right because what you got to be careful of is if that ball's thrown a long way, that that lineman could run downfield five, six yards and be okay because he left when the ball was thrown, right? My What I always looked at is if I got confused, if that guy fired out and I read run, that means I probably was going to throw. Because that means the safety probably misread it, right? Because a lot of the things is with the lineman going downfield, not only can he block, but you're giving false reads to DBs. So if I misread it, and I thought it, and I'm thinking run, and then all of a sudden the ball's thrown, then I would probably go, right? And another thing on pass plays, umpires have to turn. Umpires are the only ones who have an angle from the inside out, so you have to help with um, incomplete completions, right? And, you know, I've seen umpires wipe, you know, post patterns 20 yards downfield, but they were right. I'm kind of, kind of jumping ahead. And 
And so does that kind of answer the question? So to me, it was always, if they confuse me, then I was going to throw them. Yeah. Yeah, no, good one. Um, and just, the, and how about the, you, you know, when you first, uh, you know, set up, you know, you, some do like nine yards, some do 10, some do seven. How, what was yeah. comfortable for you? So I was taught and I played linebacker through high school. And then my, you know, I had high school football talent. Um, I was really comfortable being about a yard back from the linebacker. Now a linebacker can make or make your game or kill your game. Cause if a linebacker can't, compete blocks and getting blown back on you were hosed right guys but i was always like a yard off of them so that way if it was a pass i could step forward and i could clear them easy and if it was a run a linebacker wouldn't step back so i could stay out of the flow of it so that's where i was always and i would and if you watch me and even land would tell me because back in the day there was a college rule about being five yards about what can happen five yards i was almost always five yards but that's close to nowadays, right? Most guys don't play that close. Other thing umpires is understand that safety has to see the ball. And if I have to move, I'll move for a safety or a defensive player. The nightmares when they slide a safety up is about seven yards over the center. Now you're kind of like, crap, where do I go? But that's just kind of the way I did the umpire. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Um, going back real quick, because umpires turning referees, Stay with the passer, period, in the story. Um, you have, you can't watch the ball, and you're never going to don't follow the ball. You see all these referees looking up. When the ball goes, they're looking up, and the quarterbacks are getting jacked, right? Or they'll get jacked in a pile. Stay there. If the quarterback's hit and it's a legal hit, kind of work your way to the pile. But you're the only person who's looking at line of scrimmage back. Stay with the quarterback. I remember when I got up to um, D2 and, and I worked with a um, longtime referee from Albuquerque named Terry Linton, and he was the first referee that if a pass happened, he looked at me and goes, was it complete or incomplete? It's like, Terry, how do you not know that? And then it dawned on me, he's not looking. And as a referee, the only way I knew if that pass was complete or not is by crowd noise, and then I can make a guess. But too many referees are watching the football. Don't watch the football. You once the football's thrown, let it go. Let the football go and stay on the quarterback the whole time. Does that make sense, guys? And you have to stay disciplined with that because by nature you want to watch football. Do not watch the football. Watch the quarterback. That's the biggest mistake I see high school referees doing. Hey John, can I yeah. ask a question about turning? This is Brian Prawl. Hey Brian. How are you? I appreciate you spending time with us this morning. I have a question. You indicated that referees should always turn to help with, I mean, I'm sorry, umpires should always turn to help with passes. And would that be every single pass? Because I always felt like if the pass flies over an umpire's head 10 yards or higher, they should still, they should continue to watch the line of scrimmage because my concern is if they look every single time, then who's got the interior linemen that are chicken fighting and, and cheap shotting each other? Or, or, or is it, you know, I've, I thought that so it was just I, buzzes, like if it buzzes your head, then you're going to be able to turn and get an angle. But just so that's can, a good, yeah, that's, that's always been a discussion point, right? 
I'm a bully. If a pass immediately goes wide, maybe not. Two points to that. When the ball goes over the, over the umpire's head, there's nobody who has an angle of underneath it. So underneath the ball from the middle. So if that guy's running a post and he slides to catch it, the back just probably can't see it because he's blocked. Line of scrimmage guys will be blocked. The only person who has that angle is the umpire. Only person. So what about the line of scrimmage guys? You know, that's kind of why the referee has to stay with the quarterback. So once my quarterback gets hit or the ball's thrown and I know the quarterback's fine, the referee can pick up the line of scrimmage guys, and he's got everything backside. But if that referee's looking at the ball, he can't see that. So the referee has forgotten his keys, and now I have a huge hole. So in my opinion, I was all I always turned, even at even in the RMAC level as an umpire, I turned on passes because I could see stuff that nobody else could see. Now that doesn't mean I'm calling pass interference. I don't think I'd ever do that because you don't see enough of the action. And I have had a, a RMAC umpire call pass interference once, but and it was not you, Brian. So somebody you guys don't know, but uh, that's just my opinion. The umpire has a has has an angle that nobody else does. Thank you. Appreciate it. So I know we're kind of, I'm kind of being long-winded and I apologize guys. we got football and I'm kind of wound up. So, you know, widest player in the formation, what you have to do, if you're going to own keys and re-keys, you have to be available. You have to learn how to read what's going on in the play by what your key does. Right. So as a deep wing, I had my wide guy and I had to figure out, and my goal was within two steps I had to find out if it was a pass or a run because if it was a pass, I was backpedaling. If a run, I wasn't. Um, the other thing is, you know, um, if he's being pressed. So a receiver who's, who's being pressed, who's going to run a pass pattern, is going to try and get away from him. So he's going to make some kind of escape move, a swim move or something, right? Um, if he's not being pressed, a receiver, will, if he's going to block a defender, will look at him. Watch your receiver's head, and he'll look at the defender who he's going to block or he's going to stride, or he's going to start chopping his feet, right? Um, if he's going to run a pass pattern, he won't look at the defender, but he's running. And you can tell within two or three steps of, of what that wide receiver is going to do. So that'll help you to know what's coming. Um, you, know, you have a press key, you got to watch the release right away. So I'd watch release, and then if I'm reading run, I'm probably going inside to help with, with um, tackle tight end, bouncing back out. Um, unpressed, um, I can help more with alignment. I can read alignment, read the tackle. Um, when ball crosses the line, I'm probably going to, uh, I'm going to pick up the line or the ball carrier. Again, if you can, without turning and running, watch NFL and watch, um, if there's ever a game, an NFL game, the best line guy I ever worked with, a guy named Tim Pedraza, who's 41 in the NFL, and he's on all the big games. But he does kind of this sidestep. And it's almost like how basketball officials do the sidestep instead of turning. Do, do that instead of just turning your sh shoulders. Stay, you know, um, if the ball goes away, you have everything on the backside. So you get your head on a swivel. You got everything from, you know, end zone to end zone because everyone else has turned to the ball. So your head should be on a swivel when it goes backside. And then stay square. Um, back jet, second receiver in, balance formation. Are you going line jet side? Some guys say they go wide side of field. Just make sure you talk about it in pregame. Know who has who, right? Back judges, to me, are the biggest ball watchers in high school football. 
and you know there was an incident in the semifinal game where uh, a back judge key ran up on him and he was watching the football and he actually caused the safety to kind of miss an interception because he was watching the football not watching his key watch your keys your keys will tell you what's going on tight ends watch for both offensive and defensive holding offensive coaches get furious when uh, their tight end gets held because as they said we've set it up we set it up we set it up now that uh, that tight end's going to release and he gets pulled down um, know if your key's not being pressed. Usually your slot guy is not. Can you help out with the press on the wide guy? You know, here's your different passes formations. Um, I got like another minute. We could have talked about that. I want to talk a little bit of really quick, guys. I know I'm just blowing through stuff, and I apologize. When you talk to coaches, I would disagree with what Sarah or I think Scott said. I never apologize to a coach. Um, I would say, Coach, if I – if my from my angle it did not look like that um we had somebody in the outback ball on national tv tell the coach if i missed it i'm sorry and all the coach heard was i missed it and he's like i can't believe that guy apologized he missed it and he wouldn't let it go coaches hear what they want so i never say sorry and i never address the coach as sir it's not that i don't respect them but sir is kind of a you know line of authority and I don't want that coach thinking his authority is higher than I am. Um, work ethic, I can t the story. You know, I can tell you stories about how about how these guys, um, you know, land and um, and Scott Scott's rule book. We used to give him crap that we thought he paid his kids to color in it. It was insane. Um, film is everything, guys. I know Dana's doing everything she can to get film. Land used to have his wife go to his high school games and film the game so I can watch it. I improved the most when I was able to get game film, be humble. You have to be able to handle instructions and criticism. There was a mountain West guy who was fired because he just couldn't deal with being wrong. And you, and you know, even when you're not wrong, you're wrong. Don't ever big time a game. Every game's important. Every, I don't care if it's Yaffle in the, in the back in the day, we had a big 12 crew go to Wyoming and threw a fit about having to go to Wyoming because they thought they were a, power five crew and not a mid-major and they got rung up you never know who's watching um money can't be your motivator there's nobody i know who's any good at officiating who did it just because of the money so real quick about what we're doing in yaffle if you guys if anyone's interested you know we have the coordinator we have two assigners the training we're we're trying to get information from above that's why we're bringing in you know land and joseph um, we stress keys and foul criteria. Film is when I get a play sent to me, I send it to Land. I send it to Mickey Shorten Carrier. I send it to Felix and Mel. And I actually send it to my wife because I want my wife, I want my opinion on a mother and a lady who knows football more than most ladies. And as a joke, as I tell Land, that Land, you're the second best official in the city. Your wife's better than you are. Um, and then we want to get criteria why that is or isn't a foul. And with Joseph and Land, they're giving us the NFL and college criteria. We're doing everything we can to, to change behavior on sidelines. We've we've had we've we have a good working relationship with Yaffa. We've had parents that we've banned. We've banned a spectator for life because he followed a crew. We banned coaches. They're not allowed to go to tents. We banned coaches for that. We're doing everything we can to make this safe. We've, uh, I've pulled officials off the games because the coach came unglued. We're working with coaches to, to try and teach them what we're looking for because a hold for a coach isn't a hold for an official. 
and especially, uh, you know, illegal helmet contact or blindside block to a coach, especially a parent, is completely different than what the rules say. Um, we What we're striving for is we want to have more cooperation communication with, like, AFOA and high school officials. We know, you know, we're, everyone's short officials. If we can get Yaffle to a position where we can go to AFOA and Dana say, hey, if you send us your younger guys, I'll be with them. I'll give them games. We can train them. And then maybe we can start sharing officials. We're not there yet. We had three new officials came last spring. Um, one moved. One just said enough. Another guy had a parent kind of minor threaten him. And that parent was, was kicked out. That that young official is doing high school and is a superstar and probably won't come back to Yaf when I blame and don't blame him. But anyway, guys, I know that's a ton. I appreciate the time. If you guys want to ever want to talk about something, give me a call and email. If you have thoughts, this is kind of theories on what I thought you do it. How you, like I said, officiate a high school football game in the RPO and spread era is 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 almost impossible and i think for the most part you guys do a phenomenal job hey tom do you have time for a couple of questions yeah yeah i got all day because as soon as i'm done i got to go mow yard so you know <laughs> we got five six seven hours i've i've got a couple but i'll i'll leave it open you guys somebody want to jump in with a question yeah i have one ken you ask enough so let, let the umpires ask questions today yeah yeah bring it on i love umpires. Um, come on man Let's see, uh, Tom, in your own post-game debriefing review with the crew, yeah. how do yeah. you offer constructive criticism to the, uh, you know, referee that always has an excuse or an alibi? So as a crew member or as more of like an observer? Uh, crew member, uh, your experience as a, you know, you know, as a, as a, as a upper or more, most experienced official. So there's some guys who are just aren't going to listen, right? And do you really want to waste your time on them? I mean, and what's bad, right? And and I know this is a bad answer. And I, you know, if you kind of say, "Hey, what did you see?" and you know, this is, you know, guys, and it goes back to you have to be humble. And some guys just aren't humble. They're not going to admit that they made a mistake. Um, it's it's really hard, you know. You know, my first game, this story is in back in '88 when Land came to New Mexico, um, I, w I had taken a year off and I was just coming back. I year off to finish grad school and Landon and I went to Magdalena, right? And we're having a six man game in Magdalena against Roy. And I throw a block in the back that land doesn't agree with. And he kind of tells me why. And I remember at the moment I'm going bull crap. I got it right. But then as you start to think is, you know what? Land was kind of right. I wasn't going to tell him that then. Cause I knew what kind of ego he'd have, but um, you know, Pay attention to who you listen to. I've told young guys, you know, if you don't agree with what the guy tells you, if a referee tells you do it this way for that game, you kind of have to. But listen, pay attention to who you, who's telling you stuff. And as a guy who won't listen, I don't know what you do. You can try and be nice about it. You can kind of say, hey, this would have really helped the crew if you would have called it this way. You know, how, how would it be in his benefit if he would have done it differently is kind of how you try and couch it i guess but that's that, that's one of those things is like how do you tell a coach to shut up? i there is i don't there's no magic way to do it awesome thank you i don't know if that helps and that's kind of a weenie way out but if you know write a book and you'll make millions <laughs> hey tom this is stan hey yes, uh, Dan? 
thanks for the presentation. I, I got on a little early, so um, I'll be giving you a call later. Yeah. You got my hey, number? Yes. Yeah. Hey, um, real quick, um, how do you feel about the officials? Because I've had referees tell me, hey, number the, the position of the ball. Um, some you want to use the, the lanyard as the, or the uh, finger down indicator as, as position of the ball. What's your position on that? Well, you mean how to how to know that, or or what are you? Or how do you get your referee to to work with you on that? Because I think the numbering system works a lot easier. Oh, interesting. Well, I never really back in the day. Well, I guess they, a referee would uh, a referee would spot it. But if I had to go down and relay a ball, I'd be telling the referee where to put it. I never heard the number thing. That's like I would always go. Um, you know, I would. You know, I would go. Um, Oh, and space and what is it called? Um, hash upright. God dang! Don't get old, guys. Hash, and then I would line up if it was, and then I would have one if it was between the hash and goalpost, goalpost middle, other goalpost halfway right. between, and then the the hash. And then I would tell the quarter, I would tell the referee, "Hey, um, this is where to put it." Or if you put it wrong, I'd go move it. Right. Yeah, because referee, as a referee, I had my my I had two markers, right? I used both bands. One was down, and one was clock status. So I knew whether or not to wind the clock, or or to let it go on the snap if we had to stop it. So I did not, as a referee, have um, position of the ball. So referee, unless he just has a great memory, won't know. Okay. And referees I, don't. I had referees. I had a referee a couple of years ago, and then last year too, that said, "Hey." However, you, you want to tell me to spot the ball, just let me know. So. Pre-game it, just say, hey, this is what I'll tell you or something. But again, like I said, if they did it wrong, I just moved it. Okay. Who's going to get in trouble? If, if, if I'm Ken Murphy and I'm up in the stands and I'm watching you and I see you spot the ball spotted wrong, who's going to get in trouble? The umpire. The umpire. Hey, thanks. Thanks again for joining, uh, doing this, Tom. No, it's my pr privilege. Thank you. Hey, Stan, just a quick question for you. It's a pleasure talking to you. Um, in regards, we've always talked about communication with our officials, talking to the coaches, things as such as that. But as an umpire, hmm. you suggest communicating with the players. I mean, we are right there, right in the middle with the guys. Uh, that was the best part of it, wasn't it? That very, was the I best part. It. Yes. Uh, kids are hilarious. You have to be a little careful with high school kids because you can't be as sarcastic. But in college, oh, dear gosh, some of the stuff they would tell me and start laughing and I'll go back with them. It was classic. Um, so the things that, that, that I've learned at the high school level, and see if you agree, don't ever yell at a player. Don't yell at a player. And don't be demeaning. Some, don't call him son. Hey, son, some guy's son. Don't do that. Um, hey, 36. You know, every once in a while, it got to a point I'd get kind of mad at him. But I was always talking to him. If I thought to hold us close, hey, hey, 65, watch your hands, or even, hey, 65, that's a good block. Um, sometimes Be positive with them, too. There's a couple times you see a, maybe a lineman go flying past the pile and not jack a kid that he was going to. And it's like, 65, that's really smart. Way not to get yourself a foul. Nice job. Um, but, yeah, you're always talking to them, especially after the play, ball's over, ball's gone. Um, talk to the safety if you're in the safety's way. I've heard some uh, umpires turn to the safety saying, no, this is where I'm standing. 
the safety, that player is more important than you are. Find a way to move. Does that help? But the players are hilarious. The players are so much fun. So much more fun than coaches. I definitely agree with that. All righty. Thank you. I just wanted to uh, answer on you that bet. one. Hey, Tom. Tom what's your... So uh, we're running out of time. Yeah. Um, really appreciate you being on. And just like to extend out an invitation to you to come back and give us another hour course this summer on any topic you wish. And I think Dan is online, so we'll let her say a few words. Good morning, everybody. Sorry I had lagged out earlier. My internet is, uh, I think I've exhausted it with all these Zoom webinars, but, uh, or not Zoom, but this is WebEx. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for being on this morning. That was awesome stuff. I think everybody was probably scrambling to take notes because that was a, that was a lot of great information. I just want to say thank you for what you all are doing at YFL to improve um, not only officiating, but also the uh, behavior of fans and coaches and all of that, because I know it's something that's been an area of concern for years. So I, I commend all of you for making efforts in that direction and uh, really appreciate you spending your, your Saturday with us. It sounds like you'd like to spend all day so you don't have to mow your lawn, but uh, we, we really do appreciate it. And if there's anything that our office can do, um, you know, please let us know. And thanks to everybody again for attending this morning. And uh, we look forward to working with you more in the future. Sounds good. Thanks, Dana. Of course. All right. This is thanks. Thanks. Uh, we appreciate your time. Dennis, tell, uh, tell everybody what's going on next week, please. So next week, our last uh, spring session is on Wednesday at 5 p.m. with Dean Blandino, the CFO uh, director, uh, national director of Instant Replay. And then Thursday, Dana will be hosting a Zoom webinar with the coaches, officials, and uh, CFO Mountain West uh, Center Judge Abram Anaya will be giving a class on film evaluation and how he responds to plays that are sent in by head coaches and his process um, on them. That's at 2 p.m. And then we'll take a break and come back June 15th with the summer study uh, rule sessions. Outstanding. Appreciate everybody coming on today. And uh, Mr. Beller, thanks again. I appreciate your time. Hey, pleasure. Good luck, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Bob, are you still on?